Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This might be the most bipartisan sentiment you've heard out of my mouth maybe ever. I am over Kanye. The show starts now. Listen, folks, Kanye and Britney Spears, two celebrities that should maybe possibly consider taking a little break from social media. Now, don't get me wrong. Kanye is a talented rapper. He's fascinating and perhaps part genius. Maybe not for the reasons he thinks he is, but certainly for the fact this man knows how to play the media game better than perhaps anyone. Whether he's on an award stage telling us President Bush doesn't care about black people or snatching microphones from pop stars or suddenly becoming a conservative or a Trump supporter or running for president himself or marrying, having kids with and then disparaging his wife and her her family, or parading around in a White Lives Matter shirt, the man will do anything, and I mean anything, to be in the headlines and get attention. And whatever, it keeps working, so I get it. But come on, guys. Is this guy a conservative or just a self-obsessed celebrity who wants attention and uses the mega movement to do it? Now, that's not to say I don't agree with some of the points he's made. I agree with a lot of them because I've been saying them myself for five plus years. He's not wrong on a lot of things. And I give him that like, yes, BLM is a scam. It always has been. No, duh. I agree wholeheartedly. But did you all really need Kanye West to tell you that? Like Sharon Osbourne. I love you, girl. But really, really, what did you think you were donating to? And furthermore, Kanye might very well be a God-fearing Christian. Who am I to judge? That's not up to me, and I hope he is. But boy, it's hard to look at this man like he's Moses reincarnated after some of the things he says about his ex-wife and the mother of his four kids. And look, I'm not a Kim K sympathizer, and perhaps some of the things Kanye has brought to light about her and her family could very well be the case. But to publicly attack, disparage, and drag the mother of your kids for the world to see isn't classy, isn't pious, and isn't appropriate, in my opinion. Those are perhaps battles you should fight behind closed doors for the sake of your kids, just a thought. And despite his best efforts to convince us otherwise, he's not a victim. He's honestly more of an egomaniac. And I've been saying this since the moment he put on that mega hat also and again for attention. I appreciate his free thinking and going against the grain. I truly do. And I don't dislike him as a human. He does his thing and that's all good and well. I guess I just don't think the Kanye basket is the basket the conservative movement should be placing our eggs in unless scrambled is how we want him to come out. And I've held this same opinion on Kanye since 2018. I just don't think he's the hill we should die on, conservatives. But as always, feel free to disagree. Still ahead, he ran to replace Governor Newsom. Oh, and he ran away from one of the real housewives of Orange County. Steve Lodge joins me to discuss the California dumpster fire in its blaze of glory. That's next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. 
It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Oh, California, one day, I just know we're going to talk about that state, and it's not going to be for a disappointing reason, such as but not limited to felon coddling, homelessness, taxes, regulations, red tape, gas prices, lawlessness, pedophilia, transgender grooming, rolling blackouts, or crooked politicians. Or maybe the entire state will just fall into the ocean before that day comes. Who really knows? But joining me now is a man who not only dedicated his life to law and order in the Golden State, but also threw his hat in the ring to replace Gavin Newsom. Joining me now is retired homicide detective and California politician, Steve Lodge. Steve, so great to talk to you. I know you're in California. I'm sure the sun is shining and there's uh, plenty of dumpster fires to light the way. Oh, there, there's, uh, unfortunately, the sun isn't shining where I am today, but uh, it usually is. But that's the only thing that's positive in California. Uh, but that can't hold everybody for too long. I mean, we're losing our middle class faster than... Uh, than anything. It's uh, it's terrible. Well, you know, they they often say and I've often said California as a whole, especially Southern California, is for the very, very rich and for the very, very poor, a.k.a. the homeless. But everybody in the middle just continually is squeezed and pinched. And they're the ones that are being most affected by everything. But I want to talk about uh, Gavin Newsom, you know. I lived in California, I lived in L.A. for several years, and I left during COVID. But when that recall came about, I was certainly excited. The fact that you guys were able, even able to get that on the ballot to me was miraculous because I know how California operates. Obviously, didn't quite make it there. So Newsom is still your governor. He's spending money right and left. But he had 550 bills on his desk to sign or veto by last week. Uh, and there's uh, many that made the cut that are uh, more than questionable. But I want to start with SB 107, which codified gender affirming care and made it a safe haven for trans youth fleeing red states. Steve, that sounds all good and nice and cuddly and tolerant, but uh, what do you find problematic about something like that in your state? Well, if you're if you're talking about the uh, the not only the gender affirming, but we also have the the uh, uh, the transition, the the medical uh, procedures, and that is where it's going. There's money in it, so of course they're going after it. But it's it's absolutely evil. I mean, not only is it immoral and unethical. But it is absolutely evil. And for the medical industry to get involved in it is it's, it's really telling. And, that, and it's in California, that's what the, it is. I mean, you have a, a guy up in, in Sacramento that will pass any perverted bill there is. And Scott Weiner is the champion of those bills. 
And Gavin Newsom is not, uh, you know, he doesn't slow down. He, he signs everything that comes down the chute. 500 bills. You can't read 500 bills. He doesn't know what's in them, nor does he care. He's making money and that's all he cares about. Well, he's probably following anti-Nancy Pelosi's method and passing it and then maybe reading it later at some point. You know, I have absolutely no love for Gavin Newsom whatsoever. But I think a lot of the reason that people in California continue to vote Democrat and maybe didn't go through fully with the recall is because conveniently, every time election time comes, you know, some more stimulus checks go out. And I know that you guys just got another, you know, uh, inflation reduction check. And then, of course, the gas re Debates. Are people in right. California making that connection? Or are they just so addicted to this free money or so they think it's free money? They're just going to keep voting the same way. Is there any hope for your state? Uh, you know, I, I at this point, I don't think there is because uh, you've got half the state on government assistance. And then they send these checks out right at the uh, election time trying to buy votes. Plus, you have the mass mailing that goes out. Uh, the uh, no ID and uh, ballot harvesting. So how is it, how is anything in California uh, regarding elections? Where's the integrity? There isn't any. So I, I don't expect it to turn around. And I, I think it's going to just hit, hit rock bottom before anything turns around. And that's going to be very ugly. Yeah, you mentioned the mass mail-in voting. You know, California was the experimental testing ground for that long before COVID. The mass mail-in ballots, people getting a mm -hmm. mail-in ballot, whether they requested one or not. And then, of course, the state has ballot harvesting that's been legalized for a number of years, meaning that people can go to your door and help you fill out that ballot. And then, you know, you can print out your own ballot now and you just sign anywhere on the envelope and they signature match every single one of those puppies. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's all a little it's hard insane. to believe. Yeah, it's you can actually go on. You can actually go online and you can register as many times as you want under different names because they don't require identification. So they'll just give you an election number and that's what they mail to. So you could you know, go under Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and all the different names you want to pick. And, and as many times as you can go online and, and put it into the computer. So how is that integrity? There's, there's no election integrity here at all. Well, let's keep in mind that you can also vote anywhere in the county and they have those the, the polling places set up everywhere. It's not like most states where you have a, a designated area. So there's a lot in question. And I've done a lot of work and research into California election integrity. I know nobody's ever supposed to say those two words, voter fraud. But in California, there's a lot to look at. There's a lot of lawsuits by Judicial Watch and other groups that have been successful in purging a lot of those voter rolls. But I want to talk as well about the crime in California, San Francisco, bad. I mean, there's there's, there's cities across California that the Starbucks are starting to close shops saying it's just too dangerous here. We see the smash and grabs. We see just random acts of violence from homeless people hitting people over the head with bars, crowbars. I mean, you name it. It's happening in California. It's becoming a very dangerous place to be. And as someone who's dedicated yes. your life to, to law enforcement, what is the solution in that state? Is it reversible? I'm telling you, this this particular subject, you know, hits home. I spent 30 years in, in law enforcement and we worked our tails off for 30 years, bringing the crime rate down to we're, we were making bedroom communities of gang infested areas. And it took everybody working together and it took very specific 
uh, third strike laws and gang enhancements and all these things working together. And we put those violent criminals away. And then here we are 12 years, 12 short years later, and he reversed everything. And now he emptied the prisons into our community. The homeless who used to cycle through the jails and at least get some sort of help are now living on the street with no help whatsoever. You can't house somebody who's drug addicted and alcoholic or mentally ill. You can't put them in a tiny house and expect this, that's a success for you. That's not going to happen. So, you know, if they would just look at the situation, look at their jails, transform them, renovate them into correctional health care facilities and get these people off the street and get the help that they need there, maybe they have a chance. But at this point, we're attracting homeless from every walk of life, from every state uh, and beyond the borders of, of the United States. And they're all coming to California for the great weather. They get paid cash. They get fed and they even get hotel rooms. L.A. is thinking about giving all the extra hotel rooms mandatory to the homeless that the government pays for. Can you imagine that in Beverly Hills? Well, I think that actually might be a good a good idea because maybe the folks in Beverly <laughs> yeah. Hills would change their mind, do a little maybe like the Ron DeSantis Martha's Vineyard trick to them, and right. maybe that'll start changing some minds. But you know, you're in Orange County. Orange County tried this several years ago when they needed to clean out the Santa Ana Riverbed. They put all those homeless people in hotels, and then when it was time to empty out the hotels so they could go back to their encampment, what were the hotels filled with? Needles, feces, you name it. It didn't work then. It's not going to work now. I'm glad you brought that up, though, about the homeless population, because people that don't live in California, they don't live in L.A., that don't live in San Francisco, they don't understand that the homeless people are not just down on their luck. They're mentally unstable. They're drug addicted. But also they are sex offenders and criminals from not only California, yeah. but other states that find it quite cushy to live on beachfront property in a tent or on a mattress on somebody's stoop. And these people you're are often violent, right. dangerous individuals. That's just the fact of the matter. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And as I, I love that you brought up the Orange County thing with the with the uh, um, uh, the riverbed, because at that particular time, I was a, a policy advisor for the city of Anaheim. And I was vehemently opposed to them doing this this whole put them in the hotel thing. And you're exactly right. They, they destroyed the hotels. They sold the televisions off the wall. There was nothing left of them. But uh, you couldn't convince them that this was a bad idea. They just kept and, and here we are 10 years later with uh, Newsom having his 10-year plan that expired five years ago. Yet, what are they doing? They're just throwing more money at it. Give us more money. We can solve it with more money. More money, more money, more money. Bad ideas, bad policies. What do you think as well when we hear the jailhouse phone calls from people bragging about Gascon, bragging about I'm in California, they're not going to do anything to me. We're talking violent offenders. We're talking sex offenders mm -hmm. that have victims in their wake that are bragging about how California just lets them on out. They're actually bragging about it. That's disgusting to me. When you hear that as somebody who was a ret your retired homicide detective, what emotions does that bring up in you? It is infuriating. And I tell you, this whole sanctuary state thing, uh, just just last week, you had that uh, uh, stabbing murder in Las Vegas. And that particular person came from California 
illegal, illegal alien that had a criminal record. California let him out of jail instead of deporting like we used to on a regular basis. Anybody that got out of jail, uh, they immediately went to ICE if they were an illegal alien and they were deported. Now, nope, they don't cooperate with ICE. They let these criminals back into the community. They send them out. There's some mentally ill. And this is the result. It's violent and it's dangerous. And Newsom has blood on his hands because he is the criminal, the violent criminal's best friend. He is. And then the DA's as well. I mean, Chase Boudin, that was amazing in San Francisco that he was recalled. But the fact that Gascon has not been recalled, something fishy there. I wonder, though, uh, it seems quite obvious and apparent to me that Gavin Newsom wants to run in 2024. He's going after Ron DeSantis. He's buying up ads in other states. Do you think that that's the plan? And if it is, do you think there's a chance that man gets into the White House? You know, once he steps outside of California, he's not protected like he is here. Uh, everybody knows who he is. And, uh, you know, I, I, hate, I hate to use strong terms, but this this guy's a monster. And he's a monster of evil policies and bad policies that are not only going to screw uh, California, but if he got into the White House, he'd, he'd be another Biden. I call him Biden Jr. because he spent a career in politics and has not accomplished anything but hurting the communities. He started in, in San Francisco, and look at the mess they have up there. He's been, he was a lieutenant governor when Jerry Brown uh, was, was governor for the second time, and then governor. And everything he touches turns to crap. So expect the same thing to happen to the United States if he, for some horrible reason got into the White House. He is the worst person in the world to put on a national stage. He, what is he going to run on? His homeless policies, <laughs> yeah. his crime policies. Uh, nothing this man does works. California is it used to be the golden state. We have enough resources. We can be independent, an independent state on every level, energy, food, water, everything. 80% of our water runs into the ocean, yet he's claiming that there's a, 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 a catastrophic drought. It's, he lets the water run into the ocean. We haven't built a hydroelectric dam since 1979. We shut down all of our uh, uh, nuclear power plants. Right. How is he going to generate? You generate 85% currently from oil, natural gas, and coal. And if you think putting electric cars is going to work on that grid, yeah, I'm sorry. It, this is not going to work. Well, see, we already saw it because in the midst yeah. of telling everyone they're going to ban motor vehicles and have to everybody has to switch to electric vehicles, gas powered, of yeah. course, switching to electric. Then they said, you know, maybe don't don't charge them this week because the temperature is above 80. So not a good idea. Yeah. The last thing I want to ask you, though, is sure. we can't just place everything on Democrats. We have to also look within our party and some of the issues. And I know from living in California, the, the GOP raises a lot of money in California. Uh, Trump raised a lot of money in California. In fact, record-breaking amounts of money. But for some reason, the GOP in California can't get their act together enough to actually put up candidates, support those candidates, and make a change. What is it that the GOP needs to do better, and what are they currently failing at? Well, California GOP has been weak and disorganized for so many years. Like, I can't remember when they, they actually did anything. All they do is they protect their little little kingdoms 
And anybody that wants to get in the race, they, they try to qualify them or disqualify them on what did you do for the party? What did you do? It, it's not even about their ideas. I had personal experience with this is they they just ignore you if they if they don't think you can raise enough money or they don't support you to, to raise it. They just expect you to do it on your own. And if you can't, they discard you. This is all about money. It's not about who has the best ideas, who could be a strong candidate. I mean, look at look at as bad as Gavin Newsom is. You don't think they can come up with a candidate better than Brian Dale <laughs> or Dahl or whatever? Half the people in California don't even know who he is. Yeah, That's no, the I know. Republican Party. The lack of education to our Hispanic community has been tragic. You know, mm-hmm. Hispanics are traditionally conservative. Right. And why you can't you can't educate them on what the uh, Republican Party is and what conservatism is. That's tragic. It certainly is, because Florida has been able to do it and they've had shocking success with it. But California, a lot of times Republicans, they don't even try. They like to raise money. They like to pat themselves on the back. Those that have been continually reelected, they sure enjoy the spoils of that. But they don't want to win over the state. And maybe it's because if they start winning, some of that, you know, that money will dry up. I, I'm not entirely sure, but I think you're exactly right. We need to have a bigger presence in California and understand that it is savable. This is a winnable state if they had the right strategy. But it's still the GOP in California and even in Orange County, it's still the good old boys club. And if you don't, they don't know you and you're not part of that club, they don't even look at you. No, you're exactly right. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate you for speaking out on it. And I know that you do that across a lot of platforms, even on Bravo, for goodness sakes. You're everywhere, Steve. <laughs> so I have to ask you that because in closing, sure. we got all the, the, the difficult stuff out of the way. And I'm not going to okay. pry too much into this, but I got to be honest with you, Steve. I'm a big Bravo fan. I'm a big Housewives fan. And I remember watching you on The Real Housewives, you know, a couple seasons you were on that show. So I'm not going to ask you to tell me anything about your relationship. (laughs) But I do want to know, what was that experience like for you working with a very liberal network and them knowing that you're a conservative? What was that interaction like with Bravo and Bravo Bravo producers? You have to let me know because I'm such a fan. Well, you know, they they avoid uh, politics uh, at every every move. As a matter of fact, they ask you if you're going to be running for office uh, before the season starts. So they don't want to be involved in in anything political. Only only Andy Cohen gets to be political, which I don't understand. In a way, he has the platform. He gets to weigh in on everything. But nobody else gets to, you know. So the experience, it, it was a it was an experience uh, one that, you know, I'll value and, and take the learned lessons. Uh, reality TV is not what it seems. It's uh, drama and chaos driven with, you know, producers prompting all this stuff. It's not reality TV anymore the way it actually started. Now it's just entertainment and completely controlled by the network. Well, I'm still going to be a fan of the Housewives, but I was a fan of you on the (laughs) Housewives. And listen, when you were running for governor and they were even talking about you on Watch What Happens Live, Steve, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan of you. And I I want to thank you for being on the show, fighting the good fight and doing it across all the platforms. And listen, I think California is savable and I'm looking forward to seeing you run again. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on and take care. Keep up the fight. Thank you so much. 
All righty. Up next, pro-life activists are being rounded up and indicted by Biden's DOJ and could face up to 11 years in federal prison. Everything you need to know is next. So a couple weeks ago, we brought you the story of a Catholic activist raided and arrested by armed FBI agents in his home and in front of his wife and children. But he is far from the only Christian community activist to be targeted by Biden's DOJ and FBI. Right here in Tennessee, these pro-life activists were arrested, indicted and faced federal charges for protesting outside of an abortion clinic. But meanwhile, rabid pro-abortion activists harass and aggressively protest at the homes of Supreme Court justices and, of course, in the streets. But once again, it would seem to be a tale of two justice systems where political affiliation and agenda trumps and supersedes the actual law. Joining me now to break it down is senior digital analyst for X Strategies, Greg Price. Greg, thanks for being back with me. You know, we discussed a couple weeks ago the, the Catholic activist who was facing those charges. That story really blew up. It angered a lot of people. And I'm I'm so happy that we could do our part to bring it to life. But this is still happening right here in Tennessee. Like I said, I was astonished to see this happen right in our own backyard. Pro-life protesters indicted facing charges. And it's all for this face act. Also, conspiracy charges. What in the heck happened here? Well, thank you for having me, Tommy, and happy Columbus Day to you. Uh, yeah, what's happening at the DOJ right now is truly evil. I'll say it. It's evil. It's demonic. And it all goes back to one woman. If you are a Catholic or a pro-life American, you need to know the name Kristen Clark. She's in charge of the Civil Rights Division at the DOJ, and it is her office that is spearheading all of these politically motivated charges. So who is this woman? Well, in 2018, when the Supreme Court struck down a California law that forced crisis pregnancy centers to advertise abortion services, she said that that was a bad thing and that these are, quote, fake clinics that hurt women. She said that about uh, crisis pregnancy centers. That very same year, she criticized Jeff Sessions, the attorney general at the time, for starting a religious liberty task force at the DOJ. So this is a woman who made it very clear that she despises religious Americans and despises pro-life Americans. And she's now in charge of the office at the DOJ that is prosecuting these charges against these against Mark Hawk and against these 11 pro-lifers. One of the men that she arrested was a father of 11 who was literally arrested in front of his children. These are Stasi-like tactics that are happening uh, over, over peaceful protests outside of abortion clinics. And meanwhile, as you mentioned, uh, the nearly 100 attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers, on Catholic churches, and a myriad of other pro-life organizations that have happened since the Dobbs decision have gone, the DOJ has done nothing. They've allowed it to happen because they support it. The people in charge of the DOJ support terrorism against pro-lifers. They support violence against Catholic Americans. But if, if you if you dare to, to protest the murder of unborn babies, they will arrest you and put you in jail. What's so odd to me, not only the hypocrisy of the pro-choice, the pro-abortion activists being able to do basically whatever the hell they want, but also the Democrat Party, the activist Democrat Party doesn't want to lock anybody up. They don't want to lock up anybody. They don't want to investigate anybody. They certainly don't even want to touch Hunter Biden, for goodness sakes, with a mountain of evidence to really do so. It's been years before we've even seen much to do about any of the Hunter Biden stuff. But then they go after... What, what is essentially grandmas, grandpas, religious activists who are protesting, which is their constitutional right outside of abortion clinics. But they're using this act that we talked about last time with the Hauk family about blocking access for patients and doctors. How much of this is them actually blocking access and how much of it is just they just don't want pro-lifers out protesting? 
Well, it's obviously the latter because, you know, they define blocking access as standing on a sidewalk, obstructing someone's path to get into a building as somehow blocking access to to, quote, reproductive rights. And it's even more ridiculous when, as I said, they have people have literally firebombed buildings that contain organizations that would dare to convince women that they have other options besides abortion. Uh, no terrorism charges there, no, none for firebombing. And also, also, they did nothing about the protests that occurred outside the homes of Supreme Court justices, which are actual violations of federal law. It is written in federal law that picketing outside of a judge's home to try and influence their decision is a felony and, a, and, and comes with two years prison time and thousands of dollars worth of fines. The DOJ did nothing about that. In fact, the administration, the Biden administration even came out and said they support these protests that are happening, even though they are violations of federal law. So they're completely fine with that. But people who stand on sidewalks outside of Planned Parenthoods and dare to try to talk to the women going inside and try to convince them that they have other options, that is now they're now being treated as the worst people in the world. These Catholic uh, grandparents who are they're, they're ordinary people, mothers and fathers who who just are, feel very strongly about this issue. And the DOJ is targeting them and it's getting it's getting very scary. And, you know, what's even scarier is, uh, as I said on your show the last time, the hallmark of the left is that they want to put their political opponents in jail. Like, look what they're trying to do with President Trump. They want they want him in jail. And the only crime he's ever committed is beating Hillary Clinton. There's a myriad of examples of this where the left secretly, you know, they claim that we're the threats to democracy. And then they come out and support these obvious politically motivated uh, prosecutions against people. Yeah, squashing all dissent seems to be the name of the game here. And it's not just when we're talking about pro-life and pro-choice, but also a lot with the vaccine and talking about vaccine content. I mean, I'm doing my final thoughts on it later in the show, but the Florida Surgeon General apparently can't tweet about a very real study by the Florida Department of Health. I mean, the lengths that they are going to between big government, big tech, big pharma, all colluding together to push a narrative and to strengthen a narrative and to squash all dissent is terrifying. And it doesn't matter which side you are on on any of those discussions. The links that they are going to crush dialogue is problematic. But the next thing I want to turn to is another story that I know that you've been very passionate about. And you got to tell me what's going on here because I don't see the motive behind it. We're talking about Indiana's congressional race. Jennifer Ruth Green, uh, she has actually had her own military records weaponized against her, outed her as a sexual assault victim. What is the motivation behind doing something like this to somebody? And what can you tell us about what happened here? Well, what happened is truly disgusting. I've gotten to know Jennifer Ruth Green very well uh, from my because I work on campaigns all across America. She's such a nice person. You know, she's one of the sweetest down to earth people I've ever met. And she's currently in one of the most competitive congressional races in the United States of America. If you care about flipping the House, you have to pay attention to Indiana's first congressional district. Republicans have not controlled this district in 92 years. And uh, yeah. And but. The, the race has been rated as a toss up. Jennifer Ruth has raised an inordinate amount of money. She's outraised her opponent, who I've been calling low life Congressman Frank Mervan lately. She's outraised him the last two quarters. And the only issue they've been attacking her on is abortion because she is pro-life. And so they've been attacking her because they think, as every Democrat across the country does, that, the, that that's what the issue that'll put them over the top. But the polls have shown that it's having no effect on the race. So now they've decided to go down and dirty in a, in a major way. Essentially, what happened here is allies of Congressman Mervan somehow obtained her 
confidential military records and they leaked them to Politico, to this Politico reporter, Adam Wren. And they reported this. They, they did this whole profile about her. And then like randomly in the middle of the story, they decided to out that she was the victim of sexual assault from a Iraqi soldier who cornered her in a 30 foot tower. They, they reported this against her wishes. She told them she didn't, did not, she, for the first time, she had never publicly disclosed this, but was forced to because of Congressman Mervan and because of this political reporter. And so you, you can tell she's a threat because that they're, they're going dirty as hell to try and beat her because they, because they know that this is one of the most competitive races in the country. And they're now used and they've gone they're They've gone so scummy that they're going to use a sexual assault that happened to her in order to try and smear her as a failed military officer. It's truly disgusting. What's so bizarre to me here is I think the the projection, the gaslighting, I don't even know what you call it. But first of all, she's pro-life. She has the right to be pro-life. She's also a woman who identifies as a woman. Correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but I feel like what I see these pro-abortion marchers and these women's marchers talking about all the time is that men aren't supposed to be able to have an opinion on abortion. But yet her male opponent is able to have an opinion on abortion. But because she's pro-life, she's not able to have that opinion. And her being a woman doesn't trump his opinion. So that's the first one. And second of all, also this Me Too movement, the women's rights movement. This woman is a survivor of sexual assault, sexual harassment in her military career. She's serving our country and they're going to go ahead and tell her story for her before she gets a chance to talk about it. And she didn't even want to talk about it. That sounds like something the Democrats would say about these dirty conservatives that they always want to talk about and demonize. But it's them that's doing it. And they think that this is going to be a winning strategy. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it is. No, it's definitely not. It's like hard to tell what the thinking was by doing this. The other thing I forgot to mention is that a, a part of these records w were the fact that her staff sergeant apparently told her not to report this. And it led to her eventually being removed from active duty. And so the thing about it is, how did they get these records? Because the military military superiors covering up a sexual assault is definitely not something that would appear in a standard FOIA, which is Freedom of Information Act. So there is a distinct possibility that these military records were illegally obtained and illegally leaked. And, you know, like like you said about the whole Me Too thing, this is a white male congressman who is now using the sexual assault of his black female Iraq war veteran opponent in order to try and smear her. And, you know, the reason it's not at the top of every news outlet in America, obviously, the New York Times and CNN isn't covering this. The reason it's not at the top of these news outlets is because he is a Democrat. She is a Republican. And Democrats are probably going to lose the House this year. And this is one of the most important races in the country to that effect. That is the only reason that, you know, broader media outside of Fox News and the conservative media ecosystem isn't covering this. But imagine if it was reversed. Imagine a white, a white male Republican congressman was doing this to a black female Democrat opponent. It would be the biggest story in America right now. And but it's not. And it's because the parties are reversed. It just goes to show that Democrats that claim they care about people of color, Democrats care, they claim they care about women, they claim they care about sexual assault survivors, but if you are a conservative, they care about none of that. And in fact, they want to sabotage and torpedo you and your campaign and your platform simply because they want power and control that much. And that really is a theme of the entire segment, the entire show, and this entire administration unfortunately. But I appreciate you for sounding the alarm. Like you said, a lot of mainstream media is not covering either of those two stories. We appreciate you for always being on top of it. You're a great Twitter follower. I get a lot of my content from you. So I always appreciate it. And it was great to talk to you today.
Thank you so much, Tommy. Thank you for having me on. And we'll see you soon. All right. As promised, Twitter, the self-appointed big tech arbiter of truth and science, blocked and then restored a post by Florida's Surgeon General referencing vax injuries. Oh, and you know I have some final thoughts. That's next. Big tech has colluded with the White House to do big pharma's bidding and censor all vaccine critical content. And the lengths they will go to do that are shameless and terrifying. And it's time for final thoughts. So if you're not outright praising the COVID vaccine or bragging about rolling up your sleeve for shot six, big tech is going to flag, censor, shadow ban, block, or even deplatform you. And that is a risk we average peasants take when sharing vaccine side effect stories or even so much as daring to question the vaccine gospel, a gospel worshiped by more green hairs than the actual Bible for sure. As we know, climate change and COVID vaccines are religion for those who don't believe in actual religion. But you'd think perhaps the big tech wardens would be a little less brazen with their censorship when the content in question comes from a state surgeon general? Well, think again. Over the weekend, Twitter blocked and then when caught, later restored this tweet from Florida Surgeon General Joe Latipo, a tweet exposing an increased risk of cardiac-related death among men 18 to 39 with an accompanying article that referenced a very real study by the Florida Department of Health, a study that showed there is an 84% increase in the relative incidence of cardiac-related death among males 18 to 39 years old within 28 days following the mRNA vaccination. That study by the freaking Florida Department of Health was too much truth for Twitter and the big government and big pharma heavyweights that more than influenced the content moderation on the platform. Twitter blocked the Surgeon General's post and then restored it, but not until yesterday morning, mind you. The platform defended the censorship, saying our current misleading information policies cover synthetic and manipulated media, COVID-19 and civic integrity. But Twitter also noted that if they determine a tweet contains misleading or disputed information per our policies that could lead to harm, we may add a label to the content to provide context and additional information. Civic integrity and disputed information, my ass. When has Twitter ever flagged a BS pro-vaccine post? I'm going to guess never. Yeah, remember when they told us the lab leak theory was a conspiracy? Well, it wasn't, but that wasn't flagged. Or when they told us the vaccine prevented infection or spread? Want to talk about misinformation and misleading? Start there. Dr. Joseph A. Latipo is a doctor who earned his MD and PhD from freaking Harvard. But he's not credible enough to discuss the vaccine and the Florida Department of Health study is somehow not fit to be disseminated. So we're supposed to believe Twitter green haired algorithm crunchers instead. They are the end all be all of scientific and medical integrity. This is bogus. This is downright criminal. But folks, this same crap happened to me just last week when another warden of truth, Facebook, locked me out of my account for 24 hours for posting this. The video that had them so shook was from this very show. And this is what they were so afraid would get out. As the FDA came out on December 10th with the emergency use authorization for these for these uh, vaccines, and by December 12th, the FAA doing zero long-term safety studies on their own. So there's many stories out there, pilots like Cody Flint, who, who passed out while he was flying, doesn't remember landing his aircraft. 
um, Captain Greg Pearson, who went into atrial fibrillation within hours of his first Pfizer shot. Very few doctors or medical professionals will actually come out and say this is vaccine related. So I'll say it again. How invested these supposedly neutral content platforms are in pushing and protecting a narrative is dangerous and, quite frankly, evil. Ask yourself why. I'll leave you to ponder that for yourself. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.